Welcome to At The Counter, the show that takes the conversations had at the counter of your local comic book store and brings them to the internet. And for the record, we're, we're sorry. sorry. I'm Marcus Antea. And I'm Christian Kenty. We're coming to you from the Frugal Dutchman, a kind of nerdvana here in lovely Ridgeway, Ontario. It's a comic book, action figure, gaming, antique, and all-around nifty store. I'm a random customer who's a big nerd from way back. And I'm the store owner. And we've been having these conversations for years with other people dropping in and out to add points, and we've decided to share them with you. So take a trip with us down the nerdy rabbit hole to overhear the conversations that happen at, at the, the counter. counter. So today we're going to try something a little different. We're going to play a game that everyone loves called Pick 5. For those of you who don't know what Pick 5 is, I would not be surprised since I just made it up right now. Uh, we've decided to pick five movies that we feel are movies that we personally just like to watch. We're going to see if we've got time and it catches our eye on the shelf, we're like, oh, I haven't watched that in a long time. I want to watch it today. Yeah, these are these are the remote ones that when they're on TV, you're like, well, I have to watch it. Well, I guess my <laughs> next two hours are done because I'm sitting yeah. my butt down. Um, so, and I, for me, most of these come down to things that I can watch, and and that's kind of where I get most of my watch time is while I'm working, right? So things that I can watch without having to pay a ton of attention to either, right? Those two for me personally go hand in hand because those are the things that i'll watch all the time and i'll still fully enjoy the film in front of me but i'll be able to have been like either painting miniatures or yeah. building lego or doing something else in the process and my my list are things that i've always loved doesn't matter whether they're good bad or indifferent i just remember another one to put on the list in case we get <laughs> done with done with it too quick um Okay, so it was a tough question because I'm like visually in my head trying to go through my because I, I have a big DVD collection at home. I yeah, love having well. physical, you know, physical media, um, not just having things on hard drives and things like that or streaming. I like to have the shelf full, and I was just going through my shelf, <laughs> going, "Okay, what do I have?" And quite that's frankly, probably going to orient most of it. I think most of these movies. Are, that on my list, anyways, are actually not on a streaming service. If I would are, say they have to be rentals. some of mine, a lot of mine probably are, but just, again, the hard part is you've got a lot more, let's call it experience. <laughs> I'm going to make a gesture and cover it with a sound effect. Does that tell you everything you need here? Uh, there's bird flying around in here somewhere. <laughs> He just did a flip. Just did a flip. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I'm guessing my list and your list are not going to match at all. However, we're going to start off with five. Yeah. And we'll see if any of them match. So, I'd, I'll say, or you'll say a movie. Yeah. I'll say a movie. We'll go back and forth. Again, these aren't these aren't tops in any ways. This isn't a, a in any particular order. And there's probably things that could be on this list that we've just forgotten about. This was... Two minutes we spent writing. Yeah, this. we the, just the said first things that came to mind. What is, movies are you know, that are movies that you just love? They're not necessarily science fiction or nerdy. They're just movies that they catch you and they obsession hold you. Obsession films. Yeah, obsession you films. Love. Yeah, right? just, just movies you love. Yeah. All right. So you go first. What's your uh, What's on the top of the list in no particular in order? No particular order. Uh, the one. By, uh, with Jet Li. Yeah, we, we talked about uh, that We talked last about time. it last week, yeah, a, a couple <laughs> days ago, just off mic. And um, it is on stream. It's on Netflix right now, I think, and just came up on it. And to me, that's an integral you introduction to how multiverse works, and that's how we were talking about it. So um, I just think it's ridiculous in the best way and easy to watch. Okay. Well... You know what old Jack Burton says right here on the Flying Pork Shop Express. He's looking at me like he's never known what I'm talking about here. Because my first movie is Big Trouble Little China. And Christian has never seen it. I can see by the look on his face. And now I'm disgusted. Once. This, this Once movie I is watched now, it. We, I, we are I now done. The podcast time. is over. <laughs> uh, Big Trouble Little China. Uh, I've actually gotten to see in the theater because they had a revival of it when I lived in Toronto. Um... To me, it is 
the epitome of B-class movie. It's got all the action. It's got the silliness, the fun. Uh, it's got uh, beautiful women. It's got handsome actors. It uses Asian actors where Asian actors are supposed to be used. So it's not white people pretending to be Asian. Uh, it dives into some Asian or Chinese specifically uh, folklore. And it's just an all-around fun movie. Yeah. I, I remember seeing it once. Uh, I, I don't remember a ton of it. I probably should go back and watch it because it's, it's a bigger deal than I give it credit for. It was before my obsessive film days. Um, and I feel like for me, that was before I appreciated B-movies. Probably. <laughs> and you, you would probably, to watch it again now... Uh, it would probably be well worth your time. Yeah, if you have not seen it, if you have <clears throat> any interest in uh, Kung Fu style movies or that kind of thing, it is completely American, but it's all based on Chinese folklore and it's got Kung Fu fighting, for lack of a better term. And it's got Kurt Russell. It's got Kurt Russell, who's just awesome. I mean, the ego on him. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't get that joke, I'm not explaining. If you don't get the joke, we, it's on you. <laughs> All right. What's your number two? Uh, I, Robot, Will Smith. Okay. I, I just find the whole concept fascinating. And, and we kind of, in, in our last episode, uh, while we were recording the last episode about Indiana Jones, I was scribbling down just topics that come to mind, as, as we sometimes do, that we didn't want to get into. And just the idea that there are a lot of films where, in real life, we're not learning from these films for some reason, and that's a great example of one. <laughs> well, the three... Okay, for those of you who don't know, iRobot was a story written by Isaac Asimov back in the 60s. Mm -hmm. And he posited three laws of robotics. A robot cannot harm anybody. A robot can allow anyone to come to harm unless it uh, conflicts with rule number one. And I think it's robot can allow, no, not allow harm to come to itself unless it conflicts with the first two rules. It's been a long time since I've read the robot, uh, iRobot book and a long time since I've seen the movie. So I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on that 100%. But basically... The to three, keep robots yeah. under control and not be a threat to humanity, they're programmed these three uh, logical or logical uh, postures yeah. into the, each robot that is created. And in the 60s, that seemed like a really good idea. However, when the movie iRobot came out, um, they realized that that had the potential to make things even worse. Well, because in you got to remember when it was written by Asimov in the 60s, it was the idea that, and the understanding of robotics was so limited. Yes. Right? That we can logic our way away from danger in this. And we got to the point where, and I, I think iRobot as a film really is the well, actually moment <laughs> that is, well, if you take the logic of this, Far enough. <laughs> yeah, and if anybody want, is any surprised <laughs> right. or thought about it, iRobot is simply using the name. It has yep. nothing to do with the story yep. the other than the three connected. laws of yep. robotics. And iRobot <laughs> was actually, I think, a collection of short stories yep. that used the laws of robotics and how they would be beneficial. It, it was an idea of how robotics could be beneficial to human life, right? Yep. And it, it's not wrong. Um, but it is incomplete. And it I, is I think the, yeah. the film that Will Smith starred in really brought that around and kind of put on, no, you got to remember, robots are 100% logic. Yeah. And, and so they're going to take this logical imperative to, <laughs> to the extreme. To the extreme yeah. and realize that, you know, humans are parasitic by nature. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, my number two is The Goonies. Just that probably should have been on my a list. A fun movie. <laughs> it is, as we said in the previous podcast, it is the original escape room. It, yeah. Get all the puzzles, get to the next room. It's And it, it may also be a fairly, fairly perfect movie. There, there's not much you can go wrong. It doesn't age quite as well as it could, but as it stands as a self-contained movie... It is pretty darn good. The only problem with it 
and it's not a problem that I have, but we were driving up to uh, driving a bunch of uh, Navy League cadets who were nine to 12 years old. And they were going up to spend the night at the Hamilton Air Airplane Museum, sleep under the wing of a plane, super cool thing. So we thought we had the van that had the built-in DVD player. Let's put a DVD on and let the kids watch it while we're driving. And I went, Goonies, that's a fantastic movie for kids. They'd love that one. Wasn't until I started watching it from an adult and father point of view <laughs> that I realized about every third word they say is the S word. Yeah. Like literally every third word they saying S. And I'm like, because we are keeping it correct and nice for our yep. viewers. We are a family friendly podcast. Family friendly <laughs> podcast. But man, I could not. I'm just like going white as i'm driving i'm going i hope these kids don't learn anything or don't take it home to their parents don't repeat it don't repeat it don't repeat, don't repeat exactly it, don't repeat it. <laughs> but as far as it goes swashbuckling adventure kids get into it they find the treasure like it's, it's it really just, is like an early version of a a young a child's or a guilty pleasure movie yeah right that one that you could convince your parents was okay for you to watch because it seemed harmless enough and then you start watching it and Dear God, I hope they're not watching because yeah. <laughs> they're going to make me turn it off. Yeah, it's a, it's, but it, all in all, it's a fantastic movie. Has never been properly duplicated. No, apparently there's apparently there's a newer movie set in Hawaii, or it's a series on Netflix. I can't remember the name of it, but the guy who played both Short Round and Data uh, is actually in it as one of the kids' fathers. Oh, really? So it's kind of a spiritual successor to Goonies. I have not yet watched it, and for the life of me, I can't remember what it's called. If anybody remembers or knows what it's called, please put it in the comments so we can all watch it. Um, but it, it's supposed to be, again, not as good because it's repeat, repeat, repetition. Yeah. Um, but it's quite a good movie. And for the record, everybody in Hollywood just needs to leave Chris Columbus's movies alone oh, and yeah. just let them be. They're, we don't need remakes of these. Nope. They're fine. We'll still watch them as they are. <laughs> All right. What's your number three? Uh, number three, Ocean's Eleven. Uh, weird obsession with it. And, and not the original, uh, although I do enjoy the original 1960s Dean Martin Rat Pack version. Uh, there's this weird special place in my heart for the George Clooney Ocean's Eleven. I just the first one. The, again, all of them are okay. That's the one I get obsessed. And, and with here's where I get the look back. I've only ever seen the 1960s one. Really? I've never it's watched. It's worth the watching one. the newer ones. I actually read the book because it appeared somewhere in a box of books for the original Ocean's Eleven, and I loved the book. Yeah. So I kind of didn't want to ruin the original movie with the Clooney one, but I will. It, it won't it. ruin it for you because from at least it didn't for me because I saw the original before I saw the Clooney, right? Um, we were just in the classic movies when I was a kid and we had them around. Um, but I remember seeing the original one and completely different film, absolutely different film. They, I mean, they do their homage bits, but it's not pandering. Yeah. Uh, it's a completely different heist. Okay, good. <laughs> I will probably watch it at some yeah. point. I just haven't yet. All right, my number three, The Last Starfighter. Ooh. <laughs> I love when I make him do that. That is a good movie. The Last Starfighter. <laughs> if you don't know The Last Starfighter, I watched it in the theaters because I'm very old, as we've yes, already established. <laughs> um, this kid in a trailer park who's really going nowhere with his life, and his life is going to be trapped in this trailer park for the rest of it because, you know, everyone needs him, and... He can't go away out of his small town. The only thing he does that he's really good at is plays this video game that is outside at the office of the trailer park called Starfighter. And at the beginning, you put in your quarter and it says, Greetings, Starfighter. You've been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. And he gets a high score and breaks breaks the score of the game. Essentially, he like gets to the final battle and beats the game on a on a arcade machine. Um, this is like Tron before Tron. Mm, no, it's not before Tron. It's after it's Tron. No, nope, it's after Tron. But oh, really, because it, but it's not Tron. inside the movie. Like it's oh, not inside fair. the game. Yeah, yeah, he just no, that's fair. he plays the video game and beats it. But by beating the video game, <clears throat> he has proven that he has the skills to be a starfighter. 
and gets recruited literally by the front by the Star League to defend the frontier against Zerna Cardano Like the whole game is actually a test to see who can become a starfighter. Mm -hmm. And due to some shenanigans, ends up becoming the last one left alive, hence the title The Last Starfighter. For an 80s movie, the graphics still hold up. It was a lot of computerized graphics. Um, there was uh, a good story, an enjoyable aspect to it. I really enjoy the way the movie plays out, and I will sit and watch it if I ever see it come across. It's a good movie. Yeah. Again, All right. Having only seen like twice, still a good movie. Really? Oh, I've seen it dozens well, of times. Again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, shut up. All right, what's your four? Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Which one? Movie. Oh, the movie. Okay. <laughs> There's only one. Well, that's not true. There's a whole TV series from the BBC and... All kinds of other stuff. Only one film. <laughs> and it kind of bothers me as a purist because they kind of mess with the original story. But if you watch the movie on its own, it doesn't do bad things to the book. It just doesn't follow the book exactly. I, actually, I have to fight my um, actually glasses yeah. push feeling when I'm watching it, but it's... Again, I, I'm getting better at delineating myself yeah. from one to the other and enjoying things Book, as separate movie. entities, Book, right? Movie. And so, um, I just remember when it came out, I was super excited that it was a movie coming out that was about a book that I had actually read. Right. Um, you know, because as excited as I got about Lord of the Rings when it came out, I had such a hard time getting through those books that I was excited about the movies. But it came with its own amount of stress involved. <laughs> like, and Hitchhiker's oh Guide God. to the Galaxy is not a big <laughs> it's, book. No, it's not. It's, it's light good. and it's fun and it's you know it's silly. not a heavy read. It's it's silly and ridiculous and so I think that's why I got more excited about it being as sci-fi headed as I was um, in my youth. Brain the size uh, <laughs> of a planet, you know. and this is what they have me <laughs> exactly, doing. Exactly right. It was just the opportunity to see something that was done with. Star travel, you know, with with the sci-fi genre that was just funny and not as crude as Spaceballs. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. Or not nearly as crude as uh, Sp Ice Pirates. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so that was that's my four. All right, uh, my four is going to be a bit of a left turn. I don't qualify it as science fiction per se. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with toys. Toys. Oh, he's never toys, seen toys toys, toys. toys. Toys is a Robin Williams movie. Yes. Oh, Toys, where he owns the uh, toy. He, he inherits a toy factory. He inherits a toy factory from his father, and his uncle okay. starts to no, create war toys because they've never done war toys. Because we have a history of whimsy here at Zebo Toys. You know, this is like unintentionally the story of Lego when you look at it, right? Kind of, yeah. If if Lego were to have a hostile takeover of some sort, well, this is what would have happened. The thing is, um, <laughs> when when did the uncle the uncle is a five star or four star general, yeah. and his son, <laughs> his son is and and Robin Williams' cousin is LL Cool J. Yep, and they play it dead straight. Like there's straight. no discussion about it whatsoever, <clears throat> and. Um, which, uh, by the way, underappreciated actor is underappreciated <laughs> actor. Well, sorry, he was underappreciated until he hit NCIS. Fair and enough. And then people yeah. went, "Oh, he's actually really good." But he's always been. Good. He's always been good. But he's he very did, underappreciated. He was on Poseidon. He did Poseidon Adventure at one point. I too, think so. He? Yeah. And I, Poseidon itself is a rough <laughs> genre of film that's just that film's been made over and over and over again for no apparent reason. Um, but he's one of the redeeming qualities in the version he's in. <laughs> but Toys is an absurdist dream. It is strange, bizarre. It is just out of left field and absolutely magnificent. It is like, literally, it's an absurdist movie. It, there's nothing in there that makes any sense, except it all makes sense. It's just weird. Um, but it has some amazing music. It's got a great moral uh, along with Robin Williams and LL Cool J is Robin Wright Penn. And, uh, oh, what's her name? Joan Cusack is also in it. And it is 
just a wonderful, feel-good, fun movie. And it you don't need a brain turned on to enjoy it. You can just have fun with it. So if you haven't seen it, I highly suggest you catch it. It is a Christmas movie, technically. Yep. So you can watch That's it in a month. Don't watch it now. Wait a month. You can watch it now. No, you can't. It's after Halloween. You're permitted. Actually, this is the rule we have. By Friday, no Christmas. No Christmas until after until after Halloween. No, my rule in the house is no Christmas anything until the twelfth of November. The twelfth of November. After Remembrance Day. Once Remembrance Day is done, then you can look towards Christmas. See, I always focus that kind of thing on the decorator holidays. Remembrance Day isn't really a decorator holiday. Right, but my okay. We're we're, going to if you're listening in the States, Remembrance Day here in Canada is our version of Veterans Day, just yeah. so you're aware. I don't um, know if we have that many listeners in the States or elsewhere, I think but we have one perspective. Because uh, <laughs> there's a bunch of them going, what, what are they talking about Remembrance Day? No, I've, uh, I've been a very big supporter and dealing with Remembrance Day as a uh, creating the event yep. at the Cenotaph. And so I am a firm believer in we give that week between Christmas and the 11th to thinking and, and about and dealing with veterans and loss that and the give, giving that benefit of uh, our attention to the yeah. to the veterans until the 11th. And then after the 11th is done and we everything calms down, then we can look at Christmas. Well, I don't disagree with that. Personally, I'm I'm on board with it, and I, I agree wholeheartedly with you know making sure we pay the appropriate amount of attention to those who have served. Uh, I also have very small children who are obsessed with the Grinch, so <laughs> I have to make more lenient rules about Fair these enough. sorts of things. Mine are older, and they can suck it up. And they've also exactly, all right? they've That'll also all be been old. in uh, Navy League yeah. and Air Cadets, so they yep. they have a respect for it. Yep. So, but anyways, it's that's just my own personal foibles all right. all right what's your number five uh moulin rouge believe oh it or not. yeah i like yeah. moulin rouge that's, yeah. a that, fun... that's one i would put under my my tally of guilty pleasure movies because <laughs> it it seems like a really thing to admit to people that you really really like um but yeah i i don't know it's it was a movie that my wife and i connected through it was our first dance at our wedding was to one of the tracks from the soundtrack lady marmalade that seems like no. a bad dance. <laughs> no um oh geez now i'm in trouble it's a good <laughs> thing she doesn't listen to the cast because i'm in trouble um, <laughs> we'll come back around to it because i forget what it was oh someone's in deep trouble I know. don't tell her nobody tell her <laughs> i remember i remember what my first dance was oh, the only gosh. dance we had at our wedding but that's a whole other story in fairness i sung it to her while we were dancing to it so <laughs> Yeah, that, that makes Just it, to her, nobody else could hear me. That makes it better. <laughs> it meant uh, a lot at the time. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah Moulin Rouge is fun because it yeah. takes the, um, it takes that whole French turn of the century thing and then overlays pop songs on yep. it. So it's a nice, it, it's not the same, but it reminds me of both Burlesque and the the Greatest Show. Mm-hmm. It's not that those particular things overlay the pop culture where it shouldn't be, but it just has that big, bold, huge set feel with the singing. It's not well, exactly it, a musical. It's set, I mean, it's Greatest Show Greatest show is. It's definitely a musical. The whole thing is based on the idea of a musical within a musical. So right. <laughs> it's definitely a musical. Um, but um, I, the thing that I really like about the genre of utilizing a period piece but overlaying modern music is you're getting it's making it more accessible right because if you tried to really stick down your french bohemian revolution type music into that it would be unwatchable nobody would watch it yeah. <laughs> it'd be terribly unwatchable because it's such a ridiculous form of music right <laughs> to most people that yeah. nobody would have it would not have made success half of the cast would not have signed on for but it. there are so many people who absolutely love that movie yeah like absolutely 100 percent fans would live and die for that movie. well and it's funny because like i said it's something my wife and i connected over and it's kind of a weird thing to tell people that is because my wife and i really connected over this film about a stripper 
<laughs> no, she's burlesque a burlesque dancer. dancer. Whatever. You know, but I mean, when you bring it down to brass tacks, right? It's like, mm. oh, don't ever say that Boy, around this my friends. Goes the other way. <laughs> <laughs> Stripper and burlesque dancer are two very I separate know. things. Um, but anyways, uh, I would agree with you. It's it's just a fun movie to enjoy. Yeah. All right, my number five is the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Ooh. Anytime okay, that's on, yeah, no, I'll on watch board. it. I'll watch it anytime <laughs> it's on. And it took me a distressingly long time to figure out that Agent Sawyer was Tom Sawyer. Because <laughs> and I it bruised past when he really? said Agent Finn. We grew up together, and it wasn't until that's where I, it got me. <laughs> a, well, I, I missed it the first or second time I watched it because I was just oh. enjoying it, and it was about the third time that I went, "Oh my God, that's Tom Sawyer." Yeah. Well, for me, the first time I watched it, I was given the prelude because I didn't watch it fresh, right? I was given the prelude that all of the main characters are, all the extraordinary gentlemen have, have a our literary characters. Trope. Yeah, our yeah. literary characters, right? And so when Sawyer came up, I will admit it wasn't my first thought, but when he made the Finn reference, I went, wait a minute. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> okay. And it is that, it, for, it, for him specifically, it is that little thumb of the nose yeah. to, uh, yeah, no, in case you didn't catch it. <laughs> now, uh, we spoke about this last podcast, I think it was. Um, in the 80s, there were two movies called Alan Quartermain and the Lost City of Gold and Alan Quartermain and King Solomon. It was King Solomon's, King Solomon's Mines. Mines. And so I had known about Alan Quartermain from there. And I'd also read some of the older books because I like to dig, dig down to the turn of the century. I've read all the Tarzans. I read some of the Alan Quartermain stuff, uh, all the old Tom Swifts. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed reading that kind of stuff when I was younger. So I was on board. I had never even realized, again, bad geek, uh, for quite a while that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was a... Uh, was a uh, graphic novel. I just thought oh, they yeah. put it together and it was quite good. I've read the graphic novel since. Much darker, much more. Mm -hmm. There was only so much they could do. With Offensive it is not the right word. Market in the, in yeah. the movie. Offensive yeah. is not the right word, but dark. It was very dark, and they tried to lean it in that way a little bit. It had a lot of potential to be taken the wrong way. Mm, I don't know. Some In of the things there's not. You weren't taking it the wrong way. It was just awful. No, that's uh, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Is you're not saying you're saying it's not offensive. It had a lot of potential for it to be offensive, if you took it the wrong yes. way. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> if you took it out of context, right? right. But uh, as far as the movie goes, I really enjoy it. I love the fact that all these literary characters and you know who they are, where they come from, yep. merge together into such a fun romp. Oh, yeah. And that six-wheeled car, <laughs> Nemo's car, is hilarious because apparently it does not corner worth a damn. No, it has six wheels. It can't. <laughs> it, it's really hard to corner. And do you know I where that... People understand the physics involved in having a third, or a third set of wheels in the middle of your vehicle. Do, do, you, <laughs> do you have any idea where that car came back? Came back? No. Completely separate movie. It was reskinned and brought back. Oh, see. Oh, he's got that look on my face now. Yeah. All right, leak. Okay, I'm <laughs> gonna, I'm, I'm going to give you one more hint. Drop it because I don't. I'm going to give you it. one more hint. Yeah. It's MCU. Hold on now. <laughs> Six wheel car in the MCU. Yep, and it's very prominent. You see how long this radio, silence this drags out. silence is rough, right? I'll have to cut a bunch of the radio silence because this is going on way too long. It is the Red Skull's car. That they jump in and go to catch the plane. Frig off, no, it's not. It is. Same car. Now he's to go watch Captain America, the, the first movie. Avenger. <laughs> he's getting a list of movies he's got to go and watch now. It's going to be... Uh, Gonna be good stuff happening in the in the store for the next few weeks. It's okay, we can pull it up on a clip later. I'll show yeah, you. Yeah, I'll have to. That's All like, right, wow. um, <coughs> we're at twenty eight minutes, so we're too long for one shot. So let's just keep going with let's a few keep more going. movies. We're gonna play. We're going from pick five to pick seven. Pick seven, <laughs> pick seven or eight, something like that. 
All right. I, we, we I have, mean, like any good child, mm-hmm. my six is is. Obvious. Hold on. We have yet to match. We have yet to match one. Which is kind of funny. There's been a, there's been a couple where where we've had ooh moments. Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. We've had a lot of ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> which is part of the course for us. to have the same movie on our yeah. list. So that's really interesting. So as any good kid of any age. Yep. Willy Wonka. Which one? The original one. Okay, thank you. The right one. What's the matter with you? Although there is another one coming out now. Oh, There's no. Stop. Please yeah. don't. <laughs> Actually, here's an interesting fact. Snowpiercer okay. has been postulated to be of the Willy Wonka world. Huh. There's W's everywhere that don't make sense. Right. And the head of the Snowpiercer train is supposedly Charlie, hmm. who's given up on the real world and is trying to, because everything's gone to hell. Okay. Like, there's, there's, if you look it up online, there's a whole... Uh, dissertation as to why Charlie is the head of the Snowpiercer. But um, as far as it goes, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, not Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Factory. is another one of those movies that's just, you can't not love it. And I'm going to come around and put a target on myself too and say that as much as I can appreciate Gene Wilder as as an actor... I think this is the one performance of his that I actually really enjoy. There's not a lot else. Not even that Young he's Frankenstein. Done. Uh, to me, it wasn't. I don't know. It. Not even Blazing Saddles. No. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just baiting me. I am just baiting you now. <laughs> like again, he's not a bad actor. He's just ho-hum in a lot of stuff to me and that's maybe just choice of project might be a problem or, or it also or had to do like with that. but in this some, instance he was phenomenal it also had to do with some of his social anxiety which was this, not this really well known be, before yeah. and during this um i however just to throw my uh, metaphorical around uh <laughs> i've actually done a movie with gene wilder oh really uh, there was a movie <clears throat> called Murder in a Small Town. It was a drama that he did, he shot in Toronto. And I got called in for one single day to replace a boom operator who had a wedding or a funeral or something he had to go to. And so I was sitting in the back of a Studebaker with Bo Starr and Gene Wilder with a microphone catching dialogue between them as we drove. <laughs> and then I had a couple other scenes with them. And uh, I was sitting in the back. And Gene gets in and sits down. He looks back and he goes, oh, you're new. I said, yes, Mr. Wilder, I'm just replacing for the day. It's very nice to meet you. And he goes, oh, and you are? I said, I'm, my name is Marcus. And he goes, well, very nice to meet you. And then we just went into the scene. Very charming, very lovely. However, the point of the story is not me meeting Gene Wilder. It's even funnier than that. Good name drop, though. Oh, it's good. Great name drop. (laughs) While we were there, some 15-year-old kid managed to work his way onto the lot. We were shooting in a mansion up in Toronto somewhere. Okay. And he gets on the lot and goes crazy because he's a huge Gene Wilder fan, okay? Like, I mean, we're talking 25 years ago, right? But huge Gene Wilder fan, apparently. And he's like, oh, Mr. Wilder, I'm such a big fan. Oh, and he goes to take a picture with his camera. And Gene says, if you're going to take a picture, you should probably ask first. And he goes, oh, oh, okay. And he starts looking around for someone to ask. And Gene goes, you should probably ask me. <laughs> and he goes, oh, all right, of course, I'm sorry. Um, can I take a photo of you, Mr. Wilder? Yes. He goes, okay, have it up for the camera, Mr. Wilder. And he goes, no. <laughs> and he took a picture with the kid, and the kid was escorted off the lot. But it was just, have it up. No. No. <laughs> Because he was in a serious movie, and even if he's he's not one of those guys who does stuff like that, he was very private, yeah. very quiet guy. But yeah, so I actually got to meet him. So very that's cool. my big flex for the for the show today. Yeah, for I mean, for Willy Wonka, that was it doesn't matter if you were born in the era in which it was a popularity thing; it's still popular. It's my still kids popular. still love it. Um, you and know, that original and that boat time. ride is still terrible. <clears throat> oh. It's one of the weird things that gets stuck in my head during D&D a lot. Yeah. Is it raining? Is it snowing? And if I start humming that, my character or my players get really, really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no earthly way of knowing just as fast as we are going. Keep on rowing so the danger must be growing. Yeah. So. 
It is probably uh, one of the better movies uh, from that era. Yeah, absolutely. And is it a kids' movie? I think kids can it's watch marginal. it. It's marginal. Yeah, <laughs> it's not designed. It's although it seems designed for kids because ooh, Chocolate Factory. It's definitely an adult happy movie. Because uh, <laughs> there, there's, there's so much more going on in that movie than most kids will ever catch up. I might have to cut this out, but there was a TikTok, and one of the guys said, "What, <clears throat> what movie would it be weird to have a sex scene in?" And the guy said, "Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory." Right away. Not as weird as you think. Well, no, but he goes, <laughs> he goes well, why? What would make it weird? Because he goes, could you imagine the Oompa Loompas singing about it afterwards? <laughs> and then and then they proceed to make oh, a little song, which my. I'm not going to yes, do because no, we're family we'll friendly. leave that out. I think we're but, okay with the rest of it. But, but yeah, no, I just, I started laughing so hard the first time I heard that. I'm like, that is awesome. Yep. <laughs> All right. My six. Six with an I. You're six. Six. S-I-X. <laughs> Seven free six, free six, free six. Not seven free, free six, six, free six, free six. Those of you who aren't in uh, Ontario, you're not going to get that joke. Or if you're not from Ontario and you know who I'm talking to, you're not going to get that joke. We have one listener who I know is not from Ontario. So, <laughs> uh, my six is stripes. I love man. stripes, and it's one of my favorites. I'll throw it on. I, I go through a phase about every two years where I want to watch military comedies. And there's about four of them or five of them that I'll just throw on and let them go. And I just enjoy the hell of them. Why? I don't know. Stripes, Down Periscope, Hot Shots. What's the fourth I don't even do. I don't even do Hot Shots. Really? It's Stripes, Periscope, Renaissance Man, McHale's Navy, right. and Sergeant Bilko. Okay, Bilko. All right. That's, that's a good list. <laughs> that, that's that's my go-to. I go through Hot Shots in there, yeah. but Hot Shots is more Naked Gun than actual yeah. military comedy. Fair enough. It's too it's it's Naked Gun airplane type of thing. Yeah. But I enjoy like I watched Sergeant Bilko and McHale's Navy growing up. <clears throat> McHale's Navy is a horrible movie. Yeah. It's just awful. Tom Arnold and Bruce Campbell <laughs> and a bunch of those kind. Of, uh, what's his name uh, from In Living Color? Oh, crap. Jim Any- Carrey. No, 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 no. The black guy. The black guy from A Living Color. Say, yeah. Wait a minute. Uh, David Allen Greer. Yes, okay, David yeah. Allen Greer. Uh, <clears throat> and, oh, also uh, the guy from Quantum Leap the with the cigar. Al. Um, Al. Dean. Dean Stockwell. Dean Stockwell. Thank and uh, Grace from Will and Grace, whatever her name is. Oh, yeah. I'm blanking on it as well. But and and even Ernest Borgnine is in it, which is amazing because he was Mikhail. Yep. So it was a lot of fun, and I just there's enough nods to the old. It was a bunch of the new. And Tim Curry's in. He's the bad guy. And Tim Curry is a bad guy. Is never a bad movie. He chews the scenery so well, <laughs> and he goes way over the top on this one, on that one. But that's not the movie I'm talking about. I'm talking about Stripes, and Stripes is sort of one of the one of the original military comedies from the 70s that had gritty and silly <clears throat> at the same time yeah um military comedies were not new no hope did them i costello did them hell even um uh charlton heston did one charlton heston did one called the private Ar- or the the private army or the of of uh Major Benson. The Private Army of Major Benson, I think it's called. Okay. Anyways, um, I picked it up on a DVD from Walmart that had like eight war comedies on it. So I watched it. Was not aware until just before I found it. um, Major Pain is actually a remake of the the Private War of Major Benson. Okay. So Major Pain was actually a remake with a really? 90s twist okay. of that movie. Hmm. Like, some of the details are the same. Like, the, the names are the same. Benson Payne, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's it's fun. Yeah. But anyways. But Stripes, for me, is really fun. And it was funny because it came on Netflix a little while ago. And my friend had never watched it. So I threw really? it on. Really? Oh, my gosh. And I threw it on. <clears throat> and we're watching it. And I'm like, I, 
have I ever watched this movie? Because I don't remember this part at all. <laughs> and apparently it was a special edition that had five or six minutes of extra footage and filled in some holes, things that didn't make sense that had been cut. I'm like, I got to watch it first again. That's awesome. <laughs> so Stripes Isn't that is a great experience? I love when it. You when see you see a movie you've watched a thousand times for and the all first of a sudden time there's again. a new there's yeah. a new scene or two and you're like it just totally changes your perspective. It's right? amazing. So Stripes is my six. Stripes would fall under on the list of movies my wife would never watch with me. Uh, <laughs> she's just she's a little more particular about what she'll watch. I'm a little more open-minded about viewing. I and I'll watch anything. My original <laughs> 7 was also down Periscope, which falls into the same category. Yeah. Uh Kelsey Grammer and a whack of, of other people. It's just a fun little movie. I don't think Kelsey Grammer gets enough uh credit for being a comedic actor. He yeah, he does. Because he's known for Frasier, which is a comedic role, but he's always but he's a straight, a straight man. man, right? <laughs> in the comedic role, and so he's like, you know, he's situational and and things like that. But and then he's in the repl- he's, uh, not the replacement. Yeah. See, um, Stallone movies, not the Untouchables. The oh, gosh, I have no idea what you're talking about. The ones that it's all the old army guys. Stallone and Expendables. Expendables, thank oh, you. Okay, yeah. He pops in the Expendables <clears throat> three, I think. Yeah. And he does a great job there, just as a grizzly. I haven't seen them. Oh no. No. Wow. There's, I don't know. It as a as a major film, it didn't appeal massively to me, and then it it got put on the list of I'll get around to those eventually. I just haven't gotten around to them. Um, nothing against the idea of it. I just. Oh, uh, they're just me. they're just right. shoot 'em up fun. They're like the exactly. one. Right. They don't you don't have to pay a lot of attention. They're just fun. So. Um, just as an aside, they'll be on my list because we hit the Kelsey Grammer thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm also going to say if you haven't found it and it's really hard to find, there's a movie called The Pentagon War. Oh, I haven't watched. And that. it's Kelsey Grammer and Carrie Elways and John. Oh crap! From Scrubs, Doctor Cox, John. Oh, uh, oh, jeez. We really do need a fact checker. We need a fact checker. <laughs> Anyways, uh, John McGinty. If you're interested in working for free. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just like us. John, we need a fact checker. John McGinley. Okay. John McGinley. Um, and it's about the Bradley fighting vehicle. And it was supposed to be a troop transport that just zipped in and zipped out. And then Pentagon says, well, I want this and I want that. And and how it, it just went from a decent little idea to a... Just a money pit atrocity. (laughs) And it's funny, but also not funny because you can totally see this is exactly what happened. It's been amped up a little bit, but not horribly so. So anyways, that's That's just for that. All right. My seven. Your seven. Galaxy Quest. Uh, Okay. Yep. All right. (laughs) It falls deeply under movies I really don't need to pay attention to. And I can play in my head at leisure <laughs> just because it is it's so weirdly ridiculous it is the best star trek movie absolutely <laughs> so uh we do have an upcoming podcast in the next few months probably six months from now by the time i get through them all again uh where we will talk about what the best trek movie is um we're just gonna pull this right out of there for now and put it on this list instead yeah well we already <laughs> know the answer so and uh, uh but it's just the idea that's like it's it's thumbing its nose at, you know. It's not. It's a movie. Or it's, it was a TV show. Yeah. Well, like, come on. It is exactly you know? what would have happened if aliens had come to get help from the original Enterprise crew. But it's also the idea of, um, and, and for me, it's weirdly given me serious perspective on things, uh, making sure that I try not to take things too seriously, right? Because that's... The aliens taking things uber seriously that they see on do. Well, you know, it's, uh, you know, as I make the, the historical documents. glasses thing. Not TV uh, show, know, historical, historical documents. Historical documents, right? And so... You surely don't think Gilligan... Oh, you know, those poor people. <laughs> those poor people. You know what? That actually happened, by the way. <laughs> Did you know that when Gilligan's Island first hit the airwaves, the Coast Guard would get... Dozens of letters a week going, why can you not go rescue those poor people? (laughs) Not even kidding. It's not even a joke. They were literally going, we're getting video wire film from it. Why can't you find them? They've got to be getting the film from somewhere. I don't know how people didn't understand what TV was, 
Although it was just at the beginning of TV, so I guess... In, in fairness, those people are still around. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. They're, now they're... No, I'm going to stop before we get political. There's there's medication for that now, but... <laughs> yeah, but they won't take it. Anyways. Um, they tend to wear foil hats. And yeah, Galaxy like Quest. <laughs> and uh, so you, do you have... Have you put it on yet? What? Since learning about the sound? About the language track? No. <laughs> those of you who those of you who didn't hear the previous I haven't gun, had it on since we talked about it yeah there is a Thermian language track on uh, like a Thermian dub on the DVD one of the special features on the DVD you can watch the film in Thermian where it's <laughs> <laughs> can't do that without Your coughing Thermian is better than mine <laughs> I can't do it without coughing though I do a lot of voices better than you do, but your Thermian is far significant. It's because than mine. it's the trick is Thermian is on the intake. It is. It's <laughs> not out. It's not. <laughs> it's all inside. Anyways, uh, so yeah, Galaxy Quest is a hell of a one. I, again, I'll watch it anytime oh, it yeah, comes on. You're absolutely, absolutely correct. And it's it's funny because on the face of it, you when it first came out, you wanted to hate it because it was making fun of Star Trek, and you're like, Ugh. yeah, Ugh. and and then you watch it and you're like. Oh, this is great. <laughs> then you realize it's not actually making fun of Star no, Trek. It is a love letter it to Star Trek. Yeah. And it actually does nothing to hurt the look of Star Trek at all. And it actually pokes fun, but lovingly. Yeah. Like, in certain parts. For instance, um, uh, Sigourney Weaver had a whole bunch of great moments in there. in that, Like, where she's like... Oh, the little alien he's hurt, he's so cute. And Guy pulls her back and goes, What is wrong with you? You've never watched the show? <laughs> or when she says, uh, Computer, what do you goes, Computer, well, how long until this happens? He goes, Why do you keep asking? He goes, I only have one stop on this do. stupid <laughs> ship and I'm gonna do it. <laughs> okay, all right. So it and you know, the poor uh, the poor Wesley character who's gotta relearn to fly the ship from his actions. Of um, so we've got, uh, we've got one more. All right. So you're, you're number seven. Uh, my number seven is a deep science fiction dive. Oh boy. <laughs> no, it's not plan nine from outer space. It Although, better not be. <laughs> no, my, my absolute will watch it anytime it comes on or I feel like putting it on. Is Buckaroo Bonsai Adventures Across the Eighth Dimension or Fifth Dimension? It is I such can't even a bad watch movie. It. That's the worst. It is part. such a bad movie, <laughs> and I love it so much. I even have, I have a blanket that I've sewn patches on that I've received over the years from scouting, from going to NASA. I have like NASA patches of all yep. kinds. I have. And it used to ride on my jean jacket a Buckaroo Bonsai Blue Blazers or Blue. Oh, no. Blue blazer patch? No, blue. Oh, crud. Now I'm going to have to look it up. Now it's going to bother me. See, I'm not even going to be able to help no. because I find it such an unwatchable. <laughs> it's even... so good. It's like 10 minutes and I can't. <laughs> and not for the reason of there's just too much. It's just there's. Uh... I was the eight dimension. I was right the first time. Damn it. There's only there's a certain amount of films, and maybe that's another episode too. There's a certain amount of films that I'll sit there and I can't watch them because the whole time I'll get a, a crick in my neck from going, no. And <laughs> no, I was also correct about it being the, the Blue Blazers too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I say things and I second guess myself, and I'm always right. I don't know why I second guess myself. He said, rolling his eyes to the ceiling. Um, I just love it because it is again so absurd mm. and mm. so fun. Um, John Lithgow absolutely chews the furniture, uh, literally, in this movie. He goes so far off the rails that you can't even see the train tracks anymore. Yep. And, um, and But everybody plays it from the Buckaroo Bonsai group, plays it dead straight. Like, this is just normal. And it is so weird. So <laughs> But it also came. It yeah. also came in at a time that 
you know, was science fiction big time in my life, yeah, and it was fair. something that came out. My wife can't watch it either. I'm yeah, okay with I, it. I think that's, uh, again, there's certain things that for any watcher is specific to you, and that's, you know, you can make an exception to something that most other people can't because it just hit you in the right spot at the right time, yeah. right? And under similar circumstances, I'd probably be on board with it. It that was one for me. Didn't do it. It was 1984. <laughs> it was, I was, it was ele- ten feet left of the mark. <laughs> it was. I was eleven. It came out. It was awesome. The sound. The the uh, soundtrack for the uh, end credit sequence is pure synth pop. It's just fun. I just enjoy it because it's fun. Yep. And again, I'll quote it all the time. Yep. Um, and so it's one of those movies that I can sit and watch anytime. And, uh, I have it on VHS somewhere. I don't think I've ever gotten it on DVD yet, nor have I gotten on Blu-ray. If it's even been released on Blu-ray. Which... You'd be lucky to find it on DVD. <clears throat> mm, I don't know. I think DVD it came out. Maybe. I don't think, I don't know if it came out on Blu-ray, but you know, that's one of those <laughs> things that I have a, I have a MP4 copy of it somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I'll watch, like I said, I'll watch it. It's one of the, again, one of the ones you can put on the background. Yep. You don't have to pay attention because you know what's happening. Um, the animation was adequate. The, um, uh, the makeup was good in a bad way. Like, and, and again, you get <laughs> far deeper of an appreciation for this. You get Peter thought. Sellers. You get, um, uh, 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 you know, the, uh, the uh, we go to the uh, thing. It's my really bad Jeff Goldblum impression, but Jeff Goldblum's in it. And like I said, uh, John Lisko, who's amazing. A couple of the character actors that you all know. Uh, Christopher Lloyd's in it. And he's got the one of the best lines. And he goes, you can't dump that here. That's toxic waste. And he just goes, <coughs> not my planet, monkey boy. <laughs> So you can't go wrong. Like I just love it. It's just fun for me. So do you have a number eight in mind? The could number you, eight. Did you come up with a number eight? Oh, I'm sure. What's okay, your number eight? number eight? Okay, you go number I, eight. Well, you I said think Christopher Lloyd, and I went in a direction. What's the direction? Back to the Future. No. No, really? No, we're we're outside of major genre. Oh, right, outside of major genre. I'm following uh, the rules. Uh, Christopher Lloyd outside. I don't know if you'll get this. Adam. You'll family? know when I say it. Adam's family. No. Okay, go. No, I still would consider Adam's Family major franchise. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll. They're let still that remaking fly. stuff. I'll <laughs> let it. Fl- okay, I'll give you that. Okay, I'm just trying to think of what else other weird things Christopher Lloyd's been in. Clue. Okay, yeah, no clues definitely <laughs> Clue on that list. Clue is definitely on that list for me. That when it comes on, and it's so much on that list for me that I don't have a copy of it. I don't even know where to stream it. I think I found it on Tubi a little while ago and put it on just because it was something that came across. It was like, heck, if I'll ever find it again, I have to watch it now. <laughs> Clue. But whenever it's on, I'm compelled because it was one of the first movies I remember seeing where I thought it was a super serious movie Right. when it first came out or when I first saw it. Maybe it's when I first viewed it. I don't remember exactly when it came out. But... I thought it was like this super serious movie, and then when I watched it the second time when I was a little older, I went, this is just, this is a comedy, wait a minute. (laughs) Well, the thing about Clue is, Clue was an abject failure. Oh, absolutely. In the theaters, it bombed, because... Clue is the reason we have straight to video. (laughs) No, no, it's not that. The reason Clue bombed was because... There were three different endings, mm-hmm. and they were all playing in different theaters. Mm-hmm. And it it was like, it seemed too much like a cash grab. I got to watch the same movie three times to get three different endings. So when it was going to come out on video, they said, just put all three endings put at, the end. at the end. And all of a sudden, it became a cult classic. And this is another, this is another example, example of a great performance by Tim Curry as well, uh, as, as the butler. Um, you know, and just the, the candid idea that, well, of course we have to do the ending where the butler did it because it's a murder mystery and the butler always did it. You know, it's actually (laughs) really funny. Um, the clue VCR game. Yeah. The guy who guided you through and said, okay, now press pause and uh, do another answer card. Okay. Um, his name was, did it. He is the butler. Did it. (laughs) Just a fun little (laughs) side. 
The more you know. Yeah, the more you know. Boom. Um. So yeah, no, I'll watch Clue too. I love yeah. that movie. It's absolutely, but again, it's one of those that in making the list didn't even come to mind. And when you said Christopher Lloyd and we've talked about Tim Curry, those two things clicked together in my brain and went, oh, we missed something. Well, not only not only Christopher Lloyd, but Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn. And yeah. um, uh, oh, what the guy who played Colonel Mustard, who I'm blanking on his name, oh, but he was geez. big in the eighties. He 80s. was big in the eighties. He was the dad character in the 80s. And Leslie, um, yeah, Leslie something or other. Like, I'm not going to be able to pull out of my butt right now. But Clue was just one of those fun movies that only came into its own once it hit video. And it's a huge cult movie. Like we, <clears throat> because it gave you the satisfaction of the three endings. And it did it in a way that it was like, really? <laughs> or this, but, <laughs> maybe this happened. Yeah. This could have happened. Here's what really happened. Oh, and uh, Michael McKean. Speaking of how it really ended, Michael McKean was Mr. Green. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's from Spinal Tap yeah. and Laverne and Shirley. So a lot of big names in that one. And by speaking about that, I got my number All eight. All right, your number eight. And my number eight is a very little-known movie, crazy movie called Noises Off. Don't know if I've mentioned it before. Ooh, you are outside of my knowledge. Noises Off is a movie based I on... how often you get outside of my knowledge. <laughs> uh, Noises Off is a movie based on a play. Okay. And it's a play about a play that goes absolutely off the rails. Does not, like, everything possibly goes wrong. <clears throat> okay. It was done in, I think, the early 90s. Um, it stands up, if you've ever worked in theater, still stands up to this day. However, it had a huge, huge name cast. Um, Michael, um, the one from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. He was also Austin Powers' father. Oh, Michael Caine. Michael Caine, thank you. Michael Caine is one of the big ones in it. Um, um, Carol Burnett's in it. I almost cited why you or question why you didn't cite batman but i went no I would, i'd gone keaton <laughs> yeah exactly um so michael michael kane uh i just said it now it's out of my head carol burnett carol burnett john ritter and i love that you pulled on your ear when you yeah said carol i had burnett. to that's my that's my mnemonic yeah. um one of the blondes that was really big in the 90s i can't remember which one it is and alicia silverstone no 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 one of the You'd have to see it to know who it is. Okay. But the big name in there that everybody doesn't realize is an amazing actor, and he does such a great job. Christopher Reeve is in it. Okay. It's the only one I've ever seen him in where he wasn't Superman. And he does an amazing job. And everything possible goes wrong in this movie. And it is one of my absolute favorites to watch. And it's silly, insane, and you see this kind of stuff, not to that extreme, but a lot of that kind of stuff does happen in theater, which I am in as a job, so it hits a little closer to home. So, any honorable mentions that we can just quickly bang out? I don't think I've got any that are coming to mind right now. It's, again, the only other outside one, of franchise is a tough one. The only <laughs> other one I can come up with is High Spirits. <laughs> Another one he doesn't know. When you do that. <laughs> High spirits. <laughs> Just to show you how bad it is, it is a uh, it's a Steve Gutenberg movie. Okay. It's got Steve Gutenberg, Daryl Hannah, um, oh god, Qui Gon Jinn. I almost want to leave you hanging. No, I. Anyways, <laughs> Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Uh, <laughs> Come on, Liam Neeson. Is it Madeline Kahn or? No, it's not Madeline Kahn, but it's someone like Madeline Kahn, that kind of okay. actress. Um, and it's about a haunted castle in Scotland. Okay. And these American tourists show up, and they get haunted, and it's silly and fun, and just, it's hilarious. It's <clears throat> absolutely, it's a farcical hilariousness, but it's early 90s Steve Gutenberg, so nobody knows or cares about it, but it's fun. Uh, day After Tomorrow. Day After Tomorrow is a good I, one, too. I really enjoyed it as a film. Not not for any particular reason, either. I mean, Gyllenhaal's kind of flat in it. Quaid does a good job. The story is compelling and, you know, 
intellectual and, and educational. <clears throat> but as a whole, it just kind of falls together into this thing that's really watchable. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And that was just during the time when there was a whole spate of disaster films. Oh, yeah. Like Armageddon was yeah. the same time. Armageddon's another one that I... I I wouldn't put it on this list. It's a movie I really enjoy, but it, I can't have it on while I while I can't pay attention to it because I love it too much. Yeah, um, that's the uh, uh, yeah. I gotta say, I don't pay attention and watch this movie, yeah. especially the uh, Criterion edition. It's really good. Yeah. But anyways, there's a list of uh, sixteen or eighteen, twenty movies that you guys, if you haven't seen them, please go out and watch yeah. them. Let us know any that we missed for that from your list, and uh, we'll see you on the next podcast. Well, that wraps it up for this topic. However, the list of topics is ever-growing. So if you have a show idea or a topic you think we should discuss, please send it to Christian at FrugalDutchman.com. Or join us on Facebook, TFDATC. That's the Frugal Dutchman at the counter. So join us once again. We're Nerdy Isn't Dirty. It's a badge of honor. For Christian, I'm Marcus. For Marcus, I'm Christian. And we'll see you at, at the, the counter. counter.